0: you guys welcome back to the podcast i'm so excited for today's show as we get to celebrate salt's sixth birthday party tomorrow i really cannot believe that i have been doing this for the last six years it really does blow my mind so for today's podcast we're gonna have any guests here today i just thought it'd be fun for me to sit here and talk with you guys and share some of my personal reflections over the last couple of years of running this ministry share some of the highs, some of the lows, and some of the things that I've just been sitting in and pondering as I've made time to stop and look back over all the years and reflect over what God has really done. But my heart and my intention is really to share with you more of the reality of what it looks like to run a ministry and also give space and language for the Lord to be given all the glory for the ridiculous things He has done in the past six years because truly it is absolutely incredible. And none of this would have ever happened without him. So with that, I'm gonna walk you guys through a few of my favorite memories from the last six years. As we still are in our Cultivating Legacy series, it's been really fun to think back over what has Salt's legacy really started to become over these last few months and years of running this thing. And then I'm also gonna share a few personal things that I've learned along the journey. And then end with a prayer over all of you guys, because I believe that the Lord deeply desires to take the hunger that each and every one of you has and to harness it for his glory and his kingdom, to continue to stir you on in the nudges that you feel in your spirit, to push and encourage you and to have good, deep, challenging conversations with people around you. And to really carry this seasoning into the world that we are called to be, to be the salt and the light that brings his name glory, that brings awareness to his kingdom and brings other people into relationship with Jesus. Because you and I both know that there is so much joy and expectation and excitement in life that comes when we say yes to Jesus. John 10.10 gets quoted oftentimes in Christian circles. But the idea that Jesus has come to give us life and life to the full is so true. But with that, there's also the enemy who has come to steal and kill and destroy. And if we can hold those two things in tension and put on our fighting kind of demeanor and self to push back against the enemy's forces, we'll be able to step into constantly over and over again, despite the insecurities and the lies that pop up because the enemy, and run after the thing that God's calls us to. Okay, so for starters, I made some time in the last day or two to really sit and ask the Lord to remind me of some things that I've learned in the last couple years or that he wants me to share with you guys. And what I think I want to start off with is this idea that I think everyone might know that running a ministry is hard, but friends, it's really hard. And I think it's crazy that I've made it six years, and that is really only because of Jesus, I don't know how I've made it through some of the seasons that I really wanted to quit and throw the towel in. I don't know how we've made it through some seasons when I had no money in the bank. I don't know how I've made it through times when I was just so overwhelmed and didn't know what to do next. But in each of those moments, when I've almost hit complete desperation and ready to throw the towel in, the Lord has shown up in some beautiful unexpected, and very needed way. But the reason why those crazy stories happened, one of which you might have listened to, is because there was a decision to get out of the boat. And that's where I think I want to start this conversation, is that the legacy that I have been blessed and called into curating around Live Salted has really only been able to happen because of my yes to Jesus. But it's not just my own yes, because once I gave the Lord my yes, there was a yes from countless other people who've been invited to journey with me in different ways over the years and I just think that that's where I want to encourage you is that I can imagine there's something on your heart that the Lord is nudging you into inviting you into and for you to actually step into the journey that he has it takes just your yes and I know giving a yes is really difficult (laughs) it's so hard but when we give the Lord our fully surrendered yes On the other side of that is a life that we could have never imagined. A legacy we never could have fathomed. Events and moments and relationships and conversations that we never thought were going to be part of our life. But because we said, Lord, I trust you. I want to give you my life. I want to run after you, these things became our reality. And I think looking over the last six years, I'm just emotional and moved to tears by what God has done with my very small, simple surrendered yes. I was 21 years old when I started SALT. Do you know how young that is? I had no idea what I was doing. Absolutely no idea. And I still think I have no idea. The imposter syndrome is real and I feel that all the time. But I can't deny the fact that God has used my life in these last six years to bring about so many incredible God-changing relationships and stories and moments in life and history that are now impacting all of your guys' lives, which to me is still so ridiculous. So there are a lot of stories that I can share. I wish I could talk on here for hours and hours. There's actually been a few stories that I've come up while I've been processing through how to share for this podcast that I want to do in a longer episode. But I'm going to bring us all the way back to kind of where Salt First began, as I don't think I've shared that story all that much. We have a testimony on our website that's pretty long, but I'll give a shorter version of it here. But in essence... I've been raised in a Christian family my whole life, but it wasn't really until high school that my faith really became my own. And there was a summer camp that I went to my senior year. I just remember standing on the chairs in the front of the sanctuary with my arms open wide. And I was like, God, whatever you have for me, like I want it. I want the life that you can curate for me that you're going to walk me into and refine me by. I want all of that. And so then I went off into high school and got placed on the varsity volleyball team as a freshman. which was very unexpected. was not that good. And at the initiation night, we played that game, Never Have I Ever, or Ten Fingers. And like I said, I came from a Christian family. We were also very much so sheltered <laughs> for a lot of our life. And during that Never Have I Ever game, I realized that people have sex before they're married, that they drink before they're 21. I learned what weed was. Like It was this total eye-opening moment. And I was like, oh my gosh. But being raised in the church, I had already looked up to all those older junior and senior girls and wished that I was like them because they were older than me, cooler than me. But something in my heart was like, do I need to be like them to fit in? Or could I actually be still this beautiful, loving Jesus follower and still be liked by people around me? And somehow in that 14-year-old brains of freshman in high school. Lord's like, yeah, Krista, you can actually be the same person I created you to be and be well liked and love me still. And that was kind of the beginning of this, I think, passion or call in my heart to make space to show other people that life with Jesus is not boring, that it is not some straight edge, simple, lame life. Doing life with God is such an adventure and that it doesn't mean you have to be not liked either. (laughs) That you can carry yourself in a way that does show Jesus the world around us and make others want kind of what we have, which is what Jesus has offered to us, which is true life. So fast forwarding to that story, I found myself at the end of senior year and I had chosen to not drink or get on with guys, which is, that's not your story, no worries at all. The guys always on our own journeys and our own path. But for me, that's what I chose. I found myself going off to my freshman year of college and I was like, do I wanna try the whole like boy drinking party thing? And I had a mentor luckily and she was like, Krista, if you were like the sports girl, the ASB girl, really well known for loving Jesus in high school and you lose all those things going to college, who are you going to be? And I was like, you're right. It's a really good question. So I decided to go off to college and really be this light on campus. I wanted to be this person that showed others that you could still love Jesus and be cool and be well liked. So before college even started, I decided that I wanted to get a ring with the word salt stamped on it because all throughout high school, I was this idea of being the light on school, but I wanted to be this idea of remaining salty. Matthew 5:13. if you don't know where actually Live Salty comes from, it talks about how we are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, what are we used for? Nothing but being thrown out and trampled under the foot of men. And so if salt loses its saltiness, there's no point to it. For me, going off to college, I didn't want to lose my saltiness. So I made this ring that said the word salt on it as a way to remind myself that there actually is a call to be different than the world around me, to stand out and be asked questions of like why I don't drink and be kind of yeah, engaged in conversation and what it is that I believe. So I went up to college believing that and wanting to do that. And I had so much fun. I loved my year at college at Chapman, but it was hard. For some reason down at Chapman, there wasn't really any Christian events and Christian clubs happening at that time. So I felt super alone in my faith. And I would turn to like online spaces to find resources to encourage me in running after Jesus. But there really wasn't anything for me to do. There wasn't anything that was based in scripture. I'd always find things like fashion bloggers or food people and they talked about Jesus but not all the time. And I wanted a space that could be rooted just purely in scripture and running after that. So there's this one night when I was in a sorority and I had kind of wanted to drink for this sorority function and I was staying in a triple dorm at that time. And so oftentimes during that freshman year I would kind of sneak away to the top of a parking structure and go up there and pray and just be alone with Jesus. It was a beautiful parking structure overlooked all of orange and the sun was setting and it was just beautiful. And I got up there one day to pray for this event and you guys I was like pretty convinced I was gonna drink. I really wanted to have fun in that way and explore a new kind of space of college but i got up there this is one of my favorite stories today and no joke friends there was a salt shaker sitting in the corner of the parking structure just randomly there what are the odds it's so random and i actually i shared this story at a conference one time when someone shouted out from the stage or from the crowd like it probably was for a tequila shot and honestly it probably was but the lord used that salt shaker as a way to remind me that there is actually a purpose behind me choosing to stand out and be different in the world around me and so that's kind of the early early on beginnings of where salt came from the idea of wanting to be different than the worlds and wanting to find a community of other believers who really want to pursue after Jesus. And then the Lord's nudge of like, hey, here's a salt shaker, like actually stay true to who I am. Fast forward through a number of years, really beautiful story in there involving a ministry named Delight Ministries. They are incredible. If you're a college student, check them out. They're absolutely amazing. Starting a delight at Chapman and seeing 40 girls coming to this meeting every Monday night and then getting a chance to go over to New Zealand and meeting a group of friends over there who also were very hungry for community. In my heart, I was like, okay, Lord, I have a desire for community. There's girls in my school have a desire for community. And now there's girls over in New Zealand who desire for community based in scripture. What are you doing here in my heart? My senior year of college, I was like, you know what? We should do something about this. So Delight had grown to about three or four ministries in Southern California, so we should get together and like bring over the founders, Mackenzie and Mackenzie, and like, have a fun little like group conference event. But that idea didn't fully actualize for a number of different reasons. But the idea of gathering together couldn't leave my mind. We decided to do something about it. And so on February 1st, 2016, six years ago, from when this podcast comes out, basically, we decided to launch a blog and we decided to put together a conference. It was something that was a, such a huge, massive group effort that my yes, like I said earlier on, allowed me to start walking towards this. But it was a yes of a mentor named Don who supported and encouraged me. It was a yes of a church named Friends who was like, yes, Chris, we believe in your vision. Let's actually give you the space for free. It was a yes of all my friends who were like, I think you're kind of crazy, but I like what you're talking about. Let's do this together. It was a yes of a worship band coming together, of which Kendall Hill, one of our dearest friends, is backup singer for. All of these yeses that came around my bigger, like surrendered yes, allowed this event to actualize. From then, we've been doing conferences ever sense. So one of my funny stories I want to tell you about when it comes to this early on conference season that we had with this first one in California was I backstory was a public relations and advertising major and I loved my class about guerrilla marketing I thought it was the most like fun and creative space to learn how to get your message out of people's hands and so being my senior college spunky wanting to change the world self like empowered by the spirit with a fire that I could not deny I decided that it'd be really fun to go to almost all of the Christian campuses from San Diego up to Pepperdine and just market like crazy this event because in my mind I knew everyone needed to be at this event to hear about Jesus. The event that we had was on April 9th and so it was around kind of like March time which is Easter for marketing and stuff and so I decided to buy 2,000 blue Easter eggs and then I stuffed all of them to help my friends to put coupon codes inside of them and then i drove around with different friends of mine people on campuses and we hid these blue easter eggs with coupon codes on all like the freshman girl dorm floors i would walk around the parking lot and look in the windows to find like girl like things in the cars kind of creepy i know right but I hand out flyers and i just worked my butt buttocks i just knew that the people out there needed to know they were not alone in their faith And then God wanted to meet them at this event. Friends, only two and a half months after we launched this website, of which we definitely faked that we were bigger than we were with good graphics and a website. And I learned all that on the spot. But 300 individual women came to that conference that first year in Orange, California, which is still to me, mind-blowing. People invested like $35 to come from nine to five. And what happened in that space was just beautiful. Like absolutely insane. The women's voices who came to speak, people who shared during our declaration time, the fun merchandise we made, the people's yes to volunteer, something that is truly only possible because of Jesus. But what I forget sometimes to sharing because it's not as prevalent now that it was back then, even though it still is a concern for me, is that my entire life I've had a problem with speaking. I really have an issue when it comes to having a belief that I can actually speak well. I was in speech therapy for a number of years when I was growing up and my parents thought that it was because I had braces. I talked fast and mumbled sometimes, but then the braces came off and I still had the problem. And so I went to speech therapy, but then I turned 18 and then insurance didn't cover it anymore. But it's not this thing that was just kind of an issue It was a really really big issue like to the point where i got too nervous to order at a drive-through window because i was scared of my words sounding not like legible to the person behind the little speaker or i couldn't order at a restaurant for the same reason and it was this thing that plagued me over and over and over again so the fact that i got on a stage that senior year to speak was a miracle in of itself but i remember so clearly there was a year about two years before that when the lord and i had a lot of conversations around my fear around speaking one day i was going to this camp i recognized that oftentimes the enemy will use your biggest insecurity whatever that is for you think in your own life too we all have them for me it was speaking and he will use that insecurity to disqualify you from the thing that god is calling you to for me I have someone who loves other people. I love sharing ideas and messages and words from the Lord. I love engaging in conversation. So the enemy can tempt me to think that I cannot speak well or that my voice sounds stupid or that I mutter my words and I'm not a perfect, eloquent communicator, which is true. I'm definitely not. As you probably heard me on podcasts before, I do speak fast at times and I'm working through it still. But if the enemy can make me question all of those things about who I am, I will not be able to fully step into what God has for me. And that's where I think I got pissed. <laughs> being someone who loves the spirit and loves jesus and wants people to know who jesus is when i recognized that it was actually the enemy's tactic to get me to shut up and be fearful around speaking i was like not anymore i'm going up there and i'm speaking and i'm sharing so that conviction of like that belief has definitely gotten stronger and stronger over the years there have still been a number of times when i have gotten so nervous to speak on a stage and i will definitely be nervous when i talk on a stage a week from today but there's just a different sort of conviction behind knowing god is with me when he's calling us deeper waters. And so I don't know what that is for you, and I actually want you to think about this right now. But whatever that insecurity is in your own life that you feel like holds you back from being your true, honest, full, free self in group situations, in your own life when you're alone, I want you to look past that insecurity and think if I were to actually walk through this and find freedom from it, what would God be able to do with me through this newfound freedom? And then I want you to get feisty because the enemy wants you to stay where you are. I want you to get feisty and figure out what it's going to take for you to step past an insecurity and go after the thing that God has for you. Because for me, if I look back over the years, if I was too scared to speak on a stage, if I was too scared to lead a group conversation, if I was too scared to lead a team meeting, all because of the enemy's schemes and the lies, none of this would be a thing. Salt would literally be non-existent. And I think that's actually one of the reasons why I started salts. Like I had friends who had insecurities in their own life or didn't really know who they were or didn't know what their passions were. All the things the enemy was trying to distract them with that have now identified those passions, those identities, those things in their life that they want to run after. And they are doing things for the kingdom and their communities in their own lives. They would have never imagined. And so for those of you who are listening, it's the same thing for you. I know there is something that God is wanting to birth through you, to seed inside of you as a passion that you need to cultivate and steward and let be seen and like released into the world. But it takes that stewarding it takes pushing past enemies' lies and distractions and, and insecurities and fear to step into that space. And so I just want to encourage you with that because it's just such a good word. <laughs> I need to hear it this morning too. Here I am interrupting my own conversation with myself to tell you about our legacy workbook. It is brand new and it just came out and I am so excited about this. This workbook is so spirit led. I really can't explain it more than just saying that. In essence, it's an extension of our legacy conference. We wanted to be able to provide a resource to take home with you from the conference or just buy online if you weren't able to come to really apply this idea of legacy and having an eternal mindset to your own life. To ask yourself questions of what do you wanna live for? How do you be remembered? and actually giving you steps to figure out those answers. It's broken down into four different sections. The first one looks over the idea of acknowledging and honoring your past. Where am I today? Who do I wanna be tomorrow? And then what will my legacy actually be? I wanna let you know we're also gonna be launching virtual small groups with this. And so if you're in a place of desiring community, wanting to have good conversations with friends or strangers, we'd love to welcome you into signing up for this opportunity and joining us. Those sign-ups will be launched on February 6th following our conference in Seattle, and we'll be open for two weeks. So we're just so excited for all that is to come, be praying with us as we get to gather in Seattle. So that's kind of the background story of the first beginning part of Live Salted with the salt shaker, my ring, the first conference. Right after that first conference happened, to be honest, I fell flat in my face. Everything in me was about April 9th, that conference day. And then soon after that, I graduated college and I didn't really have a plan what to do. I ended up moving to Bend, Oregon with my mom and my sister for the summer. And then a few months after that, before I moved to Seattle. But those were really tough months. I was like, Lord, did you want me to do this? And to be honest, I was in debt after that conference, like full on debt. I went above and beyond. It came to the cutesy things around a conference. Gave everyone pens and mason jars and cups and printouts and all the stuff that added up to be way more money than the money that I brought in. And that was in the whole $4,000. And I was so pissed at God. I was like, Lord, I had gave all my grad money to take care of this debt. I'm so pissed at you. I served your kingdom. And now here I am, like, reaping the downfalls of it and all the money that I owe now. And I was just really mad about it. But at the same time, I was like, Lord, is that a, like a little fluke event? Like... Am I called to do this long-term? Is this possible to do it again? I don't have any big financial backers. I work at a coffee shop now and Ben I don't have money to support this. Do you want me to keep running after this? And all these questions and all this stuff. And I was honestly really down, semi-depressed for a number of days. And then I felt like I just needed to fast. And I'm not someone who was that regimented with fasting at that point. I think I'd never actually fasted before that. And I remember just fasting and saying like, Lord, I just need help and direction from you. I need guidance on what is next. I need you to tell me what it is that you want to walk me into because I think I have something going on here with Love Salted, but I also don't know what to do next. And then I remember him saying, just take one step at a time. And you remember him saying to me that I need help. This is where the kind of crazy thing of all this is. That so I remember randomly after that first conference getting an email from a woman whose name I forgot, but she was an email that basically just said that she wanted to get involved in what we were doing and really loved what was happening here she had no agenda she just wanted to support and encourage me so then after that fast was over I found my computer and I started scrolling through emails back a few months like it was probably like four or five months after the email was sent and I came across this name that I had no idea what whose this name was. And I clicked on it. And it was this email full of all these encouraging words. And you guys, that email was from Emily Jamison. Isn't that crazy? Like her and I are only friends because she sent me a random email that I almost never responded to a number of years ago after our first event. And she had heard about Salt because her friend's daughter was part of my volunteer team. But again, how crazy is it that with Emily, she was encouraged by her husband, to send that email. But because of that yes, send an email, again, what SALT is today is because of that yes. And I just think it's so crazy looking back over all the years, all the things that people have said yes to and how it plays into the grander story at play. Being a obedient with God's inviting us into is just so cool. After that first event, I reached out to Emily, her and I got on the phone and, and we started talking about the ministry and her heart and my heart. And just realized that we were very kindred spirits and fast friends. And then from then, we launched a Bible 101 series that first summer that I was in Bend. And kind of just seen Salt evolve ever since then. So I'll fast forward through a few of the next parts because there's so many things I could talk about. Because there are so many crazy stories. But from that time, I had a friend named Emma and Ann who came alongside me in Bend. And were just total answers to prayer. I met them at my job that I was working at, Jackson's Corner. Great restaurant, by the way. And they were just servant-hearted people that came alongside me and just held up my arms when I was tired, helped me make merchandise when I ran out of energy and just were there to encourage and support and just be with me in it all. And it was just such a fun season of working with them. So that led us into our next conference tour which we call it Eventually Expectant. We had that one in Seattle and Oregon. My crazy God story in that one is, sure, if you guys are in ministry listening to this, you know that a lot of things that you do, you're kind of just like going out of whim with it and like trusting the Lord to show up. With that conference, what was crazy is that I had no money. I was working in a coffee shop, but I felt this like freedom to use my credit card a lot. And I felt this freedom that I could just put things on a credit card and I just believe that God is going to show up. And so about two weeks before our first conference in Seattle, of which I've never lived in Seattle at this point, I had actually visited Emily and slept on her couch and walked around all the campuses as well and handed out flyers, talked to girls and stuff. I had $10,000 on a credit card. No joke, $10,000 on a credit card. And I had only sold 15 tickets to the conference in total, both of the events, both Oregon and Washington. I remember coming home one day to my mom bawling and I was like, mom, I don't know what I did. I have 10K on a credit card. I'm going to go into debt. No one's going to go up to this conference and crazy stuff and I ended up going into my room that night and I remember getting on my knees because someone had told me that if it's God's will it's his bill so I got on my knees and I looked at that credit card statement and I was like Jesus I believe you called me to do this ministry you better freaking show up or we're gonna be in a lot of trouble and I'm gonna be really embarrassed but I'm gonna blame it all on you like I honestly said that I think friends, long story short, at the end of that conference season, we had 500 girls come through both our Washington and our Oregon event. And at the end of the day, I had that entire $10,000 credit card paid off and I had $10,000 in the bank. But again, these stories only happen because I chose to get out of the boat and kind of live a crazy and ridiculous life of following him in radical ways. And so I'm not saying this is prosperity gospel at all. I honestly hate when these kind of things happen. It stresses me out. And I don't like these kind of stories. After they're done, I enjoy them. But being in the middle of them is really, really hard and awful. So that's one of my favorite memories over the last couple of years. So I'm just going to pause kind of with that Linear progression of salt history and to share a few of my really favorite memories over the last year, memories to me that are just marked by God's hand. One of those stories is about a girl named Maggie, and I'm gonna go fully into her story in depth with her and a few others. I believe in a podcast coming up soon because I just think the way that he's connected all these people was just mind blowing. But I had gone to New Zealand. I have a lot of friends over there. Maybe I'll share that story another time too. And when I was there, my friend Emma and Anne, who actually were part of that first conference season, we decided to go down to the South Island for a 16-day road trip. We had thought to bring some of our cute new salt stickers as a way to kind of make the van look cute and take pictures of it and stuff. So when we were turning in the van, we decided to leave the sticker on there because they're like, well, it's really cute. And so it's good marketing for us. And take it off. And it's no worries. I'll take it off and throw it away. And so we thought nothing of it. And that was probably in 2017-ish. About a year later, no joke, I was having one of those days when I'm like, Lift salt is doing nothing, it's making no impact. I want to quit. I just don't know if anyone's out there anymore. I get a random Facebook message from this woman named Maggie Johnson. And she basically told me this entire story, but you guys, Maggie was traveling in New Zealand. She's from Texas. And she had rented a van from the same place that we rented a van from, and she found the Live Salted sticker on the back of it. And she reached out and found Live Salted online and was like, oh my gosh, this is all the things I've been asking for and needing. This is so insane. I remember when Maggie reached out to me, I was like, God, what are the chances that this random idea that we had to put on a sticker on a van to have it be marketing for us actually comes around full circle and someone really does find the sticker from that and then our ministry? And so that was about probably two years ago at this point. Maggie has been part of our community so closely ever since that moment. And it has been so beautiful. I actually got to meet Maggie in Texas a few years ago. And then now after our couch conference... Maggie joined a small group with a woman named Brandy who's been leading her group with just absolute excellence. And they were are part of our first virtual small groups after the Couch Conference. And they are, have been still meeting to this day for the last two years. And I just got word yesterday that Maggie's flying to Washington to come to the conference with Brandy and her whole entire small group. And to me, that is just, again, a beautiful offshoot of just like what happens through Live Salted. I just cannot believe that a woman found our. Around on a van all the way over in New Zealand and is now going to be in Washington and the state that I now live coming to a conference with an entire small group has been in a small group for the last two years in community just absolutely amazing like so cool okay and then another fun memory that we had over the last couple of years was we decided to take a group to New Zealand for a spring break trip absolutely insane hopefully one day we can get recovered that event too But we took 14 girls over to the top part of the North Island and then road trip down all the way to Wellington, where we held a conference for about 80 women, ages 18 to 80, but more so in the later season of life spectrum of that. And it was incredible. Emma was a girl who ran it with us. She was a Kiwi. And the reason why she heard about our conference, which is also a crazy story, is because she was in Portland um, on her overseas experience kind of trip that most kiwis take and she had become friends with one of my friends from new zealand at this uh conference retreat she went to and the day before our conference in portland i get a dm from her and she's like hey i heard about your conference i would love to come i'm in sherwood which is randomly really close to portland and not somewhere that you'd normally go when you're traveling overseas i can't pay for the ticket and an uber can you help me out here and i was like just get your booty over here we'll take care of your ticket cost so emma comes to the conference and here we are in portland with a we like at our conference and her life is completely changed by that conference and then plants the seed in her heart for us to come to new zealand and do the same thing and so then a number of years later there we are in new zealand having a conference and the really cool story behind that is the last time a woman's conference came to her church in wellington was 20 years earlier when her mom put on the conference for the women and so I just, it's so cool when you get to see all the different ways that God weaves stories in and out of each other and just kind of curates and creates this beautiful web of interconnected stories. It's just like mind blowing. The last one I'll say is when COVID first hit, if he has been around our community during that time, we decided to have a couch conference and we had really no idea what zoom was we didn't know what we were doing and we were hoping for 30 girls to show up because we knew people needed community in this time as so we were really stuck to our rooms people were alone in their apartments the world was kind of crashing down around so we had no idea what was going on so we wanted to launch a couch conference and so again we wanted 30 people to be there In a matter of those last two or three days of marketing we ended up having over close to five people who were in that zoom call and they were there for like three hours And I just remember so clearly going through every single one of those Zoom like gallery view pages and just seeing every single person's face and being so blown away by how God has used this platform that he's created to bring people together from all around the world. And I just think that it just gets me so excited for what God's going to do in the future of Salt and where he's taking us because there is so much that can happen through this platform. As I've been processing through the last little bit of time with Salt, I get convicted a lot about this idea that sometimes I feel like I do salt for God and that I'm serving him by running this ministry. But I am constantly reminded by my board, as they are amazing humans, that God doesn't need me to run Live Salted to make his kingdom known. God doesn't need this platform to create spaces that are online or in person. He doesn't need me to write my Bible studies. He doesn't need me to write Instagram posts or get on the stories. But God wants to partner with me to help other people understand more about who he is. But he doesn't need me. And I think over the years, that's where I've been really challenged and refined because over the years, my intimacy with Jesus has grown because he's inviting me in to run live salted. There's been seasons of my life when I've been striving and trying to carry all the weight of this ministry and I feel like I'm dying because I probably am. But then when my mind shifts and it's like, hey Krista, remember God's the one carrying this thing, not you. i am then able to rest and relax and find myself just shocked and amazed by the God stories that he brings across my life. With that all being said, what I want to remind you with is earlier on, I had given you that push, like if there is an insecurity or a doubt or a fear that you feel the enemy pushing and calling you back from, I want you to identify that and then move through it. And then I want to encourage you to give God your full yes and see what he does with it. But then once you give him your yes, I need to remind you that it's a yes doing life with Jesus, not working for him not being seen as a really strong believer, not being seen as a cool Christian changing culture. It is your yes to do life with Jesus. It's not a yes for prosperity gospel. It's not a yes to have a crazy life. It's not a yes to have God show up with provision in crazy ways. It is a yes to doing life with Jesus. And that is where I think As I've been studying legacy, I've been diving all this stuff the last couple of months preparing for a conference next week, so pumped for Seattle, is that legacy is truly birthed in the with Jesus parts of our lives. It's the time that we choose over anything else to say, God, you matter to me. You're my priority. I'm going to put you as my number one person to pursue. And with that, I want you to do whatever you want to do with my life. And our lesson that I've learned a lot in the last couple of years is that Jesus cares about our sanctification so much. And at times that really sucks because Jesus wants us to always be growing, always be maturing, always be learning more about him and his character. And so when we go through hard seasons, when we go through the good ones, there is always something that he is trying to teach us, morph in us, refine out of us to make us more into his image. And that is the invitation to a life with Jesus. It's a life where we get to trust that we're not in control, that we can give God the reins and that if we just continue to surrender to him, he will walk us into a life that is more ridiculous and refining and challenging and beautiful than we ever could have imagined. I wanna read over you guys Philippians 1, 9 through 11 and pray over all of us as a way to close out our time together. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God." It's my prayer for you guys and myself is that our love may abound more and more, but that our love abounds because we are more aware of who God really is through the knowledge of Him and the depth of us knowing His character. And because we know His character so well, We'll then be able to discern what is best and pure so we can be blameless for the day that he comes back which is crazy to think about of like jesus is coming back and when he does how are we going to be ready to be seen by him and welcomed and invited into heaven with him and we are able to live our best lives because we can discern his voice his intentions for us to live in our day-to-day world and the last part of this is that we could then be filled with the fruit of righteousness so that we can bring all the praise and all the glory to God. And so, Lord, with that, I just want to pray a prayer over everyone listening to this podcast, over myself, over the Salt's future. Lord, I just pray that we can be women who understand more of your character and desire to know more of the depth of who you are. Because Jesus, we want to walk into life with you. And we want to walk into giving you our surrendered yes and we want to walk through the enemy's schemes and through the doubts and the insecurity and the fear to see and experience what you have for us and so jesus i just pray over salt's future i pray that it is what you want it to become and nothing else nothing more lord i pray that they can get this stirring inside of their heart that they too are invited into a life they never could have imagined and that when they say yes, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult at times. going will be moments when they're like, what the heck am I doing? Why am I here? Why is I yes to this? But Lord, through all of that, I pray that they can know they are just on a glorious journey of refinement and identification and just life with you. Lord, let us be women who live a life deeply connected and deeply rooted and deeply desiring to be with you through it all. Jesus, we love you so much. And thank you for all you've done in Salt's life, in my life, and everyone else's life to this point. And God, let us just be more surrendered to you in the future. Amen. You guys, thank you again. That was my first time just talking into my phone. And I hope you all enjoyed it. And I really hope that you were just able to see God's faithfulness and also I hope to see you guys on Saturday at our conference because I'm freaking pumped. we will be back here with a little bit of a recap from the conference the following week and we are just so pumped for all God's doing through salt. Thanks for celebrating us and show us some love either in the comments below or on our Instagram if We'd love to hear how salt impacted your life.